I want to welcome you to our annual uh, literary award uh, ceremony. Uh, we're very happy that so many students submitted poetry or fiction for this competition. The quality of the work is very high. Uh, that makes us all proud. So I know you are excited about uh, these awards. I do want to invite all of you to participate in the Bell Poetry Festival, beginning with poetry reading tonight by Peter Fallon. I uh, hope you'll be at 7 o'clock at Armstrong Browning Library. Tomorrow afternoon, there will be a panel discussion, including all our poets, uh, Peter Fallon, C.D. Wright, and Donald Hall, and our critic, David Lehman. Um, tomorrow evening will be a poetry reading by C.D. Wright. On Saturday afternoon, David Lehman will present the Virginia Bell Ball uh, Lecture in Contemporary Poetry, also at Armstrong Browning. And then Saturday night at 7 o'clock in Armstrong Browning, Donald Hall will give a poetry reading. So you're invited to attend all those events. I hope you will. But today, right now, we're interested in making these awards. So the award, there are three fiction awards. These are all named for Dorothy Scarborough, who was a faculty member in the English department at Baylor and later went to uh, Columbia. She is a, uh, was a noted uh, novelist during the early part of the 20th century. So there are three awards given in her name. The third place is a $50 award. And we have to tell you, if you're a winner, you're not getting the money right now. It's in the you, mail. It's in the mail. No, you have to fill out all the paperwork. You have to fill out a tax form. I'm sure you can get away without paying the taxes, but you had to fill out a form before we can get you a check. So um, you have to be identified before we can do anything about it. So if you are a winner, would you please stay around after the session so we can ask you a couple of questions, okay? So... You can ask them to me. Right, yes. We will ask you, we have your submissions, so when you learn that you're a winner, we ask you to read a portion of the short story, and uh, Dr. Rowdy has marked the point at which you stop reading, okay? If you have submitted a poem, uh, we ask you to read the whole poem. With, okay, with expression and projection so that we can all hear what you've written. Okay, so there are three fiction awards. The first one is for a $50 award, uh, and Dr. Rowdy is going to identify the person. The third place Dorothy Scarborough Prize for Fiction goes to a short story entitled Dreams of the New Jerusalem by Robert Hamilton. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read till the marked place. <laughs> All right. Dreams of the New Jerusalem. 
Although we know from the record that Salome, the daughter of Herodias, danced for the head of the Baptist in the tiled opulence of the Tetrarch's court, shedding her pink and lavender veils one by one as the king wept hot tears, we must not assume that she was entirely unresponsive to the harsh doctrines of the prophet. She was accustomed to descending the stairs to his dank cistern, a royal purple veil wrapped around her ripe and delicate lips against the vile odors, guarded as always by bare-chested Nubians. Nor was she the only to do so. Herod himself, we know, also took clandestine trips to the Edomite well to speak with the holy man. It was said that the Baptist's singular ability to kindle his conscience made sins once dull suddenly glow again with the thrill of transgression. Salome, though, did not come for the same reason. She was, among other things, given to terrifying dreams and sought relief in the presence of the man of God. Baptist, she would say. Baptist, come and kiss me. But, lady, it is not permitted. But why, holy man? The gods themselves and the philosophers would have us seek beauty. And surely, even you, in your bitter coat of hair, are man enough to know that I am beautiful. Cannot a lesser beauty, such as I am, lead you upward to the beauty of the Empyrean? But those are the words whose roads lead them into palaces and into soft arms of embraces of wives. But it is not so for me. I am to prepare the way, and then I must fade into the murk at the peripheries of the Blessed One's career. But come take my hand and let us talk of him. And he would not. He stayed inside as he had been, turned away from the teenage princess, willing to speak of the one who had come, but not to touch her or even meet her gaze. And yet even he could not deny that for a girl of 16, she had a quite firm grasp of the heathen philosophy one that, indeed, far surpassed his own. Thank you. Suitable for fame. <laughs> uh, the second place award, Dorothy Scarborough Prize, is a $75 award. And? It goes to a short story entitled Room 123 by James Yarbrough. is room 123. The sirens woke me up. I'd heard the tornado sirens once before when they ran an emergency system test. The sun was out and the sky was cloudless. They sound much different when the whale is struggling to be heard over a torrential rainfall. They sound of truth. Spotters on the ground noticed the funnel cloud at 3.06 a.m. The sirens sounded at 3.09 a.m. The RA knocked on my door at 3.13 a.m. I left my room on the third floor and arrived in the first floor hallway at 3.15 a.m. The power went out at 3.21 a.m. The tornado hit at 3.25 a.m. The winds were howling. I could hear the sound growing, exploding through the hall. When I lifted my head, I saw huddled forms pressed up against each other in the dark. They had their hands over their ears, helpless. People say a tornado sounds like a freight train, but that's only part of it. A tornado sounds like a freight train crashing into your ear and barreling through your head before tearing through the other side. And then there was the piercing shriek, penetrating, violating. The windows in the building exploded one by one, sharp staccato gunfire. I was huddled against the door of room 123. I could feel a strong, cold wind pulling at me from the crack at the bottom of the door. The walls shook. The door handle above my head rattled. I thought the tornado would pull the whole building away at any moment. Dust and plaster clouded the mass in the hallway, shivering with the building. Then, at 3.29 a.m., everything stopped. The air was still full of noise, but the building had come to rest. I raised my head above the crowd and saw the cowering freshman covered in the dust of our, of our dormitory, 
large cracks spiderwebbed up and down the walls. I leaned my head back in relief, thankful to be alive. My legs were cramping, and I was beginning to feel claustrophobic, crowded in the hallway. So I reached up and grabbed the door handle above my head to pull myself up. Instead, I pulled open the door to room 123, or what was left of it. The roar of the tornado rushed back through our ears. Cold wind sucked air out of the hall, pushing down the heads of those who had tentatively raised them to look around. I saw nothing of the room in the darkness, but I could feel the nothing, too. The room was gone. The first place award, Dorothy Scarborough Prize, is for $100. And first place award for, uh, goes for a short story entitled Neutral by Reed Eccles. Neutral. Bombs shook the streets under the passing planes. A young man, an American, cringed behind the heavy blackout curtain. He'd come to London before the invasion of France and had remained even after the first air battles in the South. They'd seemed so far away then, the humming machines now raining fire on the city. He'd been at Oxford studying English. While he had struggled over Milton, the Germans had rolled past the Maginot Line and straight to Paris. Hell of a time to be in merry old England, the older man hunched beside him, an engineer from Chicago, remarked. He reached into his coat and pulled out a wrinkled pack of cigarettes, offering one to the young man. Both lit up, the elder with a calm, practiced flick of a match, he with trembling fingers and a quick, nervous laugh. You think we'll get in? asked the younger, eyes watering behind wire-framed glasses. He took another short drag and coughed. Well, I, for one, just want to get home. If we can stay out of it, that's just fine with me. I can spend my vacations in Florida like everybody else, said the engineer with a lazy grin. Damn fool for coming here in the first place. But who could have seen it coming? I have to say I'm disappointed in the French. Thought they'd at least give the Krauts a run for their money. The young man nodded, still smoking the cigarette expertly. He glanced at the other American refugees in the crowded embassy room. Perhaps 15 stubborn vacationers, businessmen, and students huddled on the floor listening to the dull thuds dropping all around them. The embassy bomb shelter was full to bursting, so the charged patrols had asked for volunteers to remain above the ground. Unthinking, he'd stood up with the others. He wished now that he'd stayed behind. The barrage lasted only about an hour, but the pale, quaking group of Americans that seemed days before the all clear was given. The young man peered out the window at streets and stone buildings lit with an orange flickering glow. Searchlights still canvassed the night sky for the invaders, beams tangible in the smoke and dust. Dim figures moved through the haze, fighting fires and searching for wounded. With these images in his mind, he fell into an uneasy sleep. Thank you. There are six poetry prizes. Uh, the first is sponsored by the House of Poetry, which is... Um, uh, affiliated with uh, the uh, Bell Poetry Festival. It's been going on today. Um, there are three awards uh, uh, sponsored by uh, Peggy Lynch, and these are named for um, faculty and staff members at Baylor, Kent Keith, James Barkus, Robert Calmer. Uh, the last two, the Virginia Bell Ball Prize and the, American, uh, the Academy of American Poetry Prize. Um, 
So we'll begin with the first, the House of Poetry Prize. House of Poetry Prize goes to a poem entitled Jackal's Bell by Brian Schallenberg. Kent Keith Poetry Prize goes to a poem entitled Disclosure by Peter Epps. Thanks. Disclosure. If someone should speak peace, it will not be the silencing of voices all resolved in pacification nor the Pacific strain, stout Cortez or Balboa to the side, see the scene of conflict, wide and warm like blood and salty. It will not be with pox or pace, non riesquat lest we lie to rest in cooling stillness like the tomb. Such pieces from the pavement form the stones we throw, the gore we touch, the road to all for your own good, and we mean well. No, if someone should speak peace, the word will be some word I've left unspoken, unforeseen, foretold a revelation. The James Barkas Poetry Prize. James Barkas Poetry Prize goes to a poem entitled After the Battle of the Exodus, A Song of Pharaoh's Army by Daniel Stewart. After the Battle of the Exodus, a song of Pharaoh's army. Six thousand horses and chariot wheels crushed together in a chest collapsing, intimate embrace. Water of our fathers, wash away the armor, pull us through the silt, into the palace sea, never towards the shore. Robert Calmer Poetry Prize goes to a poem entitled Deluge or Deluge, depending on the predominant meter, by Amy Roberts. I think she's not here. And the Virginia Bell Ball Prize and the Academy of American Poetry Prize uh, go to the same uh, individual every year. And the winner of both prizes for a poem entitled Los Muertos is Reed Eccles. Uh, Los Muertos. They thanked us in their passing. Faint breath of whispered dust felt on the back of the neck. Faded pastels of little ghosts gleaming in the dull lamps of the stalls. Paper banners strung on a yellowing sky. Plastic skulls rest in a sawdust bed, regarding us in ordered rows, the living named and placed among the dead. Well, we want to thank all of you for participating and for coming today. Um, I think you'll be, you, you must be impressed by uh, the work 
of all of these students. We have a reception outside. I hope it's set up, and please, uh, please join us in the foyer. Keep writing. Keep, Keep writing, yeah.